So we're coming from Orlando. I have a group, it's like a group of five. Like the traffic was really bad. It's jam-packed, like 1.7 miles. We were in traffic for three hours. It's, it's double lanes, but it started to free up. And when people don't pay attention, you can get over. And I got over and I cut somebody off. And I didn't mean it, I really didn't. And I'm putting my hand up like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We come to a light. And I look in my rear view mirror. Oh my gosh, it's like yesterday. And I look in my mirror and he has a gun and he goes like, Shh. now I see this. I told my friends, I said, oh my God, the dude got a gun. And he was like, John, just go, John, just go. I was like, oh no, I ain't running from no gun. I ain't scared of no gun. So the light turns green and I start going like 10 miles an hour. Welcome back to Drive With Us podcast. I'm Bobby and I'm Karen G. We're super excited to have you ride with us as our drivers take us on some adventurous drives this season. Today's driver is John David Lewis, and listening back to his episode when I was editing it, editing editing it, (laughs) editing it, I feel like that's always a hard word to say because you're like, I edited it. it." (laughs) I edited it. But when I was editing his episode, it made me laugh so much in a good way, like, it was such a great, lighthearted conversation, and he even opened up about some of the immaturities he had as a young driver, and I know at first he was like, I wasn't going to share this, but I'm super glad that he got the confidence to share it because I feel like it will help other drivers and know that they're not alone. And showing that even though you may be or may have been immature, you can still grow and become a good driver. Yes, 100% A better driver. Yes. But before we dive into John's crazy driving stories and our conversation with him, a little car keeping. Ha ha. Ha ha. Every time. Wink, (laughs) wink, pun, pun. We just wanted to say thank you to all of you that have been supporting us, cheering us on, and who kept pushing us to put out this great content, and to those of you that are just joining us. We truly could not have gotten this far without you guys. So if you enjoy this podcast and would like to support the show for the price of absolutely free, (laughs) you can share the episodes with your family and friends. And if you would like more perks, we now have a Patreon where you can get episodes one week early, watch the full video episodes, get merch, and more. All right, enough of our car crap. Wow, I can't talk this episode. Enough of our car keeping and let's meet today's driver, John David Lewis. John makes today better than yesterday and doesn't worry about anything he cannot control. He is a father of two and husband of one. The self-proclaimed habitual thought challenger and one half of the podcast, Diverse Clarity. Let's meet John. Welcome, John, to Drive With Us podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, We're excited to talk to you about your driving experiences. Before we dive into those, we'd like to get to know a little bit about your background of driving. So like, what are some of the places that you've driven? Where are you currently? I've driven all over the United States. I've been in probably like 42 states, but I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, started driving there. Then I went to school in Michigan, and then I lived in Florida, and then I moved to Georgia. And now I'm currently in Abu Dhabi. Those are really the only countries I've ever driven in. I didn't drive into other places because of not being comfortable enough, because it's all kind of drivers. When I first moved here, the drivers are so much more aggressive than the United States. And I didn't drive for like a month because I was afraid I didn't know how to drive anymore. How would you describe your driving career in terms of your relationship with driving? Do you hate driving? Do you love driving? I hate driving because I've I've lived, when I lived in Michigan, I drove to Florida. That's like 17 hours. And I did that a lot because when I moved to Florida, my family, a lot were in Michigan and through Kentucky. So it was just, I just got tired of driving. When I first started driving, I definitely enjoyed it because that's what kids do. And then I quickly learned to dislike it. I, I definitely hate driving, but I'll do it. Like my wife and I, she, she likes driving more than I do, but now I'm, I'm to the point where I don't want her, I don't want her to really do anything if I can do it. So I have 
lessen the hate for driving just because it makes her happier. But uh, if, if it was up to me, I would have somebody drive me everywhere. So I have to ask you this. Have you ever had a passenger experience where you were the passenger and you were like, oh, no, this yes. is not a good idea? Yes, my wife. <laughs> She's a lot better now, but she she tailgates. It's very difficult to fall asleep when she's driving because I'm I'm uncomfortable and just driving with her is is it's kind of it's really uneasy because I was taught to every 10 miles speed every 10 miles per speed limit like if it's 60 miles you need six car lengths behind and she's like one and a half two and I'm like you trust the person in front of you too much because anything could happen so I'm I'm a I'm a lot more safe when it comes to that because I can't control the people in other cars, but I can control mine. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, so Terenji is not like that where she drives really close, but I feel like she drives a little closer than I would. <laughs> so like even if I'm sitting in the passenger seat, there's moments where I'm like, hit the fake brake. I'm like, it's, it's definitely some holes on the passenger side from my foot going all the way through the floor. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So. If you're comfortable sharing this, is your wife from the U.S. too? Yeah, she's from she's from uh, Lansing, Michigan. Okay, so I was just wondering in terms of because you were saying her driving styles, she was taught a little differently than what you were taught in terms of distance. So just curious where she learned. Yeah, she's just really aggressive, and uh, she's she's always mad in the car because she feels like everybody's was set up to just make her mad when she starts driving. So that's another reason why I enjoy the idea of driving because I feel like it's so much more peaceful. Well, speaking of aggressive drivers, let's dive into your crazy driving experiences. So what would you say are your top three craziest driving experiences? I'll start off with this one. In 2004, the NBA All-Star Game was in Atlanta. Now this is years before I moved there. So we're coming from Orlando. I have a group, it's like a group of five. So we're we're in a, a Pontiac Bonneville 98 and we shouldn't have this many people in the car, but we want to go to the All-Star game. And when I say it was so many people, like the traffic was really bad. So they have this street called Peachtree Street and it's jam-packed like 1.7 miles we were in traffic for three hours. It's, it's double lanes, but it started to free up. And when people don't pay attention, you can get over. And I got over and I cut somebody off. And I didn't mean it, I really didn't. And I'm putting my hand up like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We come to a light and <laughs> he gets out the car and he comes to my window and he says a whole bunch of obscenities and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I didn't mean it, but I, I didn't say it with empathy. I said it like with a an attitude, like, man, I told you my bad. Like I'm talking kind of crazy to the guy because he came to my window and he said, oh, oh, for real, it's like that? And I'm like, yeah, it's like that. So he goes back to his car and I look in my rear view mirror. Oh my gosh, it's like yesterday. And I look in my mirror and he has a gun and he goes like, Shh. now I see this. I told my friends, I said, oh my God, the dude got a gun. And he was like, John, just go, John, just go. I was like, oh no, I ain't running from no gun. I ain't scared of no gun. So the light turns green and I start going like 10 miles an hour. So I'm really agitating this guy. And all my friends are in the back and they just ducking down like, man, God, what are you doing? The reason why this is a crazy story because I can't believe I was that immature, like I was invincible. I've grown so much from that point. So we got out of that. Like it was a police officer to the left and the guy behind me just went around me because he was worried about the police. But to segue until this next story, this next story is the same weekend. We go to this gas station and it's, it's, it may be like three of us in the car two of the guys that were in the earlier trip, somebody hits my car while I'm in it. They bumped it. And, and, I, and I wasn't upset because I knew how many, there was a lot of, it was a lot of cars there. 
But this was the problem. It was a lady in the passenger side and I rolled down my window. They won't roll the window down. I am going off now because all I want is an apology. I'm just like, my bad. The lady rolls down the window and says, I'm sorry. She, I said, you didn't do this. I want to hear the, the apology from him. What, what do you apologize? Like, I'm snapping again. I'm just thinking, I'm like, now I'm like, I can't believe I'm, I was that volatile. So the guy looks over and says, my bad, man. So I rolled the window back up and my friend on the passenger side said, man, you can't be talking to these people crazy. You don't know if they got a gun. I said, they don't know if I got a gun. He said, you don't, because I know. And I'm like, I was, I, I, I was just in a place of ignorance. I guess it was a combination of my, my upbringing, just being tough when I didn't have to be. But to put my, my friends in positions to nearly get into an altercation with a guy who really had a gun and to put myself in another situation during the same weekend to snap off on somebody. And I don't have, I don't even believe in guns anyway. So I don't even know why I was talking as if, if he had a gun, what was I gonna do? And my friends, when we talk about the All-Star Weekend, we talk about how, how crazy and see now that was to put not only me, but everybody else in a situation where people do use guns. And I just felt like, not me, they're not gonna use them on me. It's, it was a really uncomfortable situation as an adult. After I matured, I was saying as an adult, I was like 25 and I'm 43 now. But I think when I hit maybe like 33 or 34, I calmed down and I reflected back and I was like, I cannot believe that I put a group of people in danger. And it was just, it was ugly. It was just, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. And I, the reason why I wasn't going to tell you guys is because I was really worried about my image, but I feel like I can show people that you can grow at any age. I can show people that it's never too late <laughs> to grow up. I agree. I feel like some people need to hear that experience and be like, oh, I've also like maybe gone through something similar. I can make that change and I can take that step. Like someone else has also gone through that. So it's a great story to hear, to relate to. I appreciate that. This, this next one, this is something I, I do talk about when I talk about college. So this is before college. I graduated. I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and I ended up going to Michigan State. And we had an orientation program. So drove to Saginaw, Michigan. It's about an hour away from Lansing to pick up a friend who's going to Michigan State. I rented a Neon. And I don't know how the rates are, but if you're 25 and under, the rental cars are more expensive. So I'm 18 and I know that it's expensive. I go pick them up. We go to the orientation and at the end of the orientation, I'm taking them back to Saginaw. I'm doing 104 in a, in a neon, <laughs> 104. And I get pulled over. My heart is jumping out of my chest. Now this is, this is well before the social injustice of police officers. So I was only scared because I was afraid of a ticket, not because I thought anything was gonna happen. So I get pulled over and the police officer comes to the door and he says, do you know why I pulled you over? So at that time I'm like, yeah, officer, look, I'm in a rush. I gotta get back. <laughs> like I'm trying to make it seem like it was warranted for me to drive that fast. I give him my license, he goes to the car and my roommate is in the passenger side and he says, oh my God, we really got pulled over doing 104 in a neon. And the guy comes back and he says, uh, I'm gonna have to give you a, a ticket, but I'm gonna have to, he had to hold some, he said I had to give him some type of money because I lived out of state to ensure that I was gonna come back to the court date. And I was like, I can't give you any money. I need to pay for this rental car. So he said, do you have anything in the car? And I was like, like what? <laughs> no. <laughs> he said, okay, if I check your car and I don't find anything, I'll let you go. I, I had to get out the car. My roommate had to stand out in the field. The, the grass is really high and it's hot outside. So just imagine seeing your roommate 
<laughs> on the expressway, but in the grass. He told him to go stand in the grass. He was like, all right, open up your trunk. So I opened up the trunk and it's just my backpack with my clothes. And he was like, I need you to empty that out. So I empty it out and then it's a bag of contraceptives that just falls out. And now he already knows that I'm coming from this orientation. And he was like, I guess you're really prepared for college, aren't you? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like trying to say anything for him to be cool. But he, he was actually cool about everything. As soon as he sees that and we, we small talk, another police car pulls up. And now I'm a little worried. I'm like, what is going on? He says, wait here and I'll be back. He goes to the police officer and then he comes back and he says, hey, slow it down and make sure you stay safe when you go to college because I know you're prepared. And we got in the car. We might have did 50 miles per hour on the way back. I was just like shook. I was like, oh, my God, because during that conversation, he told me that it was considered reckless driving and that he technically could have arrested me. And I had no idea. And I was like, what was I going to tell my father that I got arrested for doing 104? I was blessed to not get a ticket. And Lord knows that day I was definitely supposed to get a ticket. I was supposed to get something. But thank God that other police officer came because apparently it was something way more important than me. It's good that you learned from that situation. There's some people that are like, oh, well, that means I can just keep doing it. And I think there is a thing, at least in Maryland, where if you go over 80, it's reckless driving. 80? Yeah. What? But like, I know other states, other states, the speed is like 75 or 70. But Maryland, I think the fastest I've seen is 70. Really? But yeah. And that's like out west by the mountains. Wow. I've, I've driven out to Oklahoma before. A road trip from, from an undergrad. It was like 18 hour drive. And... That was the first time I ever saw 80 miles per hour on the expressway. It's like nine of us in two cars. And this is the Bonneville still. We're deep in the cars, five of us again. But some of my friends are heavy, I mean, overweight. You could tell because my car couldn't go fast at all. It would take time to build up speed. So I'm following behind the car that's with us. And somehow we get another car in front of us and there's a semi on the right so i'm mad because i'm stuck and whoever this car is they decide to slow down and go the same speed limit as this semi it, it was like an opening and i tried to get over and they sped up to prevent me so now i'm really i'm fuming Nobody in the car knows what's going on because they're all asleep. I'm furious because I already hate driving at this, at this age. And I'm like, I'm going to beat the brakes off of these people. I, I know I wasn't going to beat the brakes off of them because who's going to pull over and go fight. But in my head, they better not ever pull over while I'm feeling like this. We have cell phones, so I call. My friend, I said, hey, man, this car in front of me won't let me over. What I need you to do is get in front of that car and slow down. He slowed down, so I ended up getting over, and we both blocked him now. There's an exit coming up. I'm not even paying attention, and the guys, it was like a group of guys also. When they saw what we were doing, they immediately slowed down really fast and veered off on the exit, and in my head, I'm thinking about, I need to go to this next exit and do a U-turn and come back. Again, there was the immaturity trying to do things that was unnecessary. And I think that these driving experiences caused me to slow down and reevaluate myself. Like now, like in the last 10 years, I have been a model driver. I have gotten a ticket here before because sometimes you just get caught up and your foot gets a little heavy, but I don't get them often. I, I, I really don't get upset with people that cut me off or anything like that because I feel like, let me just get out the way so no accidents happen. I know you said three stories, but I want to just talk about when I first got here with the driving. They're really aggressive and they like, in, in, there's a lot of areas where they have roundabouts. 
I had never seen a roundabout in real life until I came here. And it's a lot of traffic and people know where to go. How do you know where to go? There are rules. So if you're on the, the far left, that means you're going to go left. So you got to go all the way around. And then and then if you want to go straight, you get in the middle. And if you're going to go right, you got to go on the right side. But they didn't follow these rules. You just get in where you fit in. Now it's nothing. And I realized that everybody knew how to drive but me <laughs> you learn the environment that how they drive and then you adjust so coming over here you heard these rules like you shouldn't flash your lights at people to tell them to get out the way don't honk your horn no hand symbols signals or whatnot so they their speed limit is i've seen as high as 160 kilometers that's like 97 miles an hour and I, I, I haven't gotten up that high. I, I went to like 150, but my the vehicle, I, I rent a car and it was like the smallest vehicle you can get. So the slightest wind makes you feel like you may just tip over. I only wanted to do it because it was legal and I wanted to see how it would feel. But here, the people, the Emirati, you know they're Emiratis because they have the darkest tint to man and they're in big Nissan trucks. So imagine going the speed limit, but I, I do go over the speed limit because they let you get like, they let you bump, bump up like 20 miles, 20, 20 kilometers above without a ticket. I'm literally getting in the left lane to pass somebody. I get these lights. Like I'm trying to get out the way. Now you see in the back that this car is coming really fast. I mean, like the fastest, like, like you just feel like an accident's about to happen. Just driving and the car won't go fast enough for me to get out. But this, the, the, the person behind me, they go on the emergency lane just as fast and just zoom past. It's, it's like they use the emergency lane as a passing lane. And the, the level of recklessness here, it's, it's almost normalized. You just expect them to do it. So all you can do is be a defensive driver because being like that just looks like an accident is going to happen. And since I've been here, I haven't really seen any accidents, but I've, I've heard about some really bad accidents. Being here made me become very defensive. So that's why I don't get upset anymore when I'm driving because I don't have a reason to be upset. Just get out the way. You know, that's so that's, that's where I am now. You got to hear this one. So there's a mall to my left big mall. I'm in the right lane going straight and it's jam-packed. I can't go anywhere. And the, the person behind me is flashing their lights at me like they want me to go. Like I'm thinking in my head, this is the one time where I considered really getting upset because they're flashing me. And the flashing means you need to get over. But the cars are not moving. And I'm like, why are you, where am I supposed to, and then to the left of me is a median where it's a high median. So it's like either run into this median or run into a car. And in my head, I'm thinking like, how, what am I supposed to do so I don't get upset? I'm trying to talk myself off the ledge because I'm almost to the point where I want to park my vehicle and get out and say, where do you want me to go? It's just annoying when you just see people just flashing and it's like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah, so coming over here made me a better driver and I'm a slow lane person anyway. I feel like I'm important enough, wherever I'm going, they're gonna still be there. So there's no need for me to drive fast, prevent somebody else from getting to their destination. I'm just trying to get from point A to point B. Yeah, that's a great mindset to have, that your destination is going to be there no matter how fast or slow you're driving. <laughs> Definitely. And like, what is going a little bit faster going to do? You're only going to save like, what, one or two seconds? A lot of times what I've noticed is someone will speed around you and then they get stuck. Or like you get to a stoplight and you're like, oh, where'd you go? You know, you made it so far. <laughs> that is a great point. And I think that that helped me too. Like when I was younger, when I used to do like a 10 to 12 hour drive, you just want to hurry up and get there. And when I averaged it out, I might have got to a place maybe 23 minutes earlier endangering myself and others in the street and possibly getting a ticket. Yeah. It's just like, if you do save those five, 10 minutes, say, but like, what if you did get that ticket? Then now you just wasted another hour. Whereas 
you could have just been five minutes late. And your money, <laughs> you're gonna have to pay the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of bad drivers out there and I don't need to add to it. Yeah, you did uh, mention roundabout. So I want to come back to that. I want to like over there in Abu Dhabi, is it like really big roundabouts or do you have like the little ones that are like single lane or do you have like the big ones that you see in like London that are like 10 lane roundabouts? I think the largest one that I can think of right now, maybe like four or five lanes. Oh, you know what? When you go away from the city, they have some really large ones, but it's not as much traffic. The ones here in the city, Outside of like the main streets have stoplights, but once you leave a main street, they still have legitimate streets, but the roundabouts definitely have like four or five lanes. But now the roundabouts have, they have lights at them now. When it's time for you to go, there's a light. So it's a light that lasts for five to 10 seconds. I think maybe some accidents happen where too many foreigners <laughs> didn't know how to drive it. So they decided to, to, to take that route. They have some nice roundabouts, but the London one, no, I haven't seen one like that where it's that many cars. And that's, that's, a, that's another reason why I wouldn't drive there. I would have to live in that country and it's on the opposite side. So in Thailand and London, they drive on the opposite side and you just sit in a cab and you just get scared because you see them turning the opposite way that your mind thinks you're supposed to go. You're like, oh, wow. Oh. It, it tricks you because you're just so used to it being on the right side and you look like you're about to go right into them and then the other car is going completely the opposite way. It, it, it was definitely, a, a it was unsettling for a long time. Yeah, I, I felt that way and when we went to Australia because they also drive on the left and I was like, oh my God, where are you doing? Oh, never mind. You're supposed to do that. But then the thing is also, I've noticed they're really good about using their indicators in the roundabouts, but like, I think roundabouts are kind of newer in the U.S. or at least in our area. So I don't think anyone knows how to really use them. So I wonder where you are. Do people actually use their indicators when they're going in the roundabouts? Is that a thing? Or like, or people are just like, I'll just do whatever I want. I've been one of those people who kind of like, you kind of just learn it. Whatever the behaviors are over here, for the most part, everybody follows along. Like even... You know how I told you on the left side, if you get in the left side, that means you're turning left. So that means you got to make the largest loop on the inside though. And sometimes you'll find somebody who's in the far left that's going to get off on the first outlet. So they call them exits. So the first exit is a right turn or whatnot. And you'll see somebody come from the left. So I just prepare for that all the time. If I see a car to my left, I just slow down because I don't know what they're going to do. Because at the end of the day, even if it's their fault, I don't want to be in an accident because my time is too valuable. So I just feel like I'm just going to be proactive for anybody that's outside of my vehicle because you can't control anybody but yourself. So that's how I approach that. But yeah, for the most part, everybody follows those rules. And occasionally you'll see people do some outlandish stuff. Since you've been to so many different places and have driven or been a passenger in so many different places in the world, how would you describe drivers in different areas? Like if you were to profile the drivers in different areas, how would you describe them? I, the worst driving I've ever seen was in Egypt. And, and when I say worst, I mean the most aggressive. They only had one stoplight in Cairo and they're driving really fast. Like the video game Frogger, that's what it was for people to cross the street. There was no crosswalks. Like, imagine, a four, no, a three lane street. And then you have five cars next to each other, like in three lanes. And I'm talking to the driver and I'm like, do y'all see these lines in the street? He said, that's decorations. <laughs> yeah, but when I tell you, like you could stick your hand out and touch another person's car. That's how they drive. Just imagine an expressway and you just see people just crossing the street and nobody is slowing down. Like, it is the craziest thing in the world because when you see these people, they'll walk and literally walk between two cars and the cars are just drive past. They're not afraid or anything, but I guess, you know, like I said, you just get used to it and you have to figure it out. But it was by far the, the, the most unsafest driving that I had ever seen in my life. And they blow their horns all the time. To me, in the United States, blowing your horn just means like you almost hit me or get out the way. 
but they blow their horns to let you know I'm here. So don't come over here. It's like a warning, but you hear the horns. I'm like, who are you talking to? It's for anybody who's listening to the horn. I'm like, it's like, huh, huh. We were driving, we were pulling up to this restaurant and it's this guy just in the street and the guy is just blowing his horn. The guy is literally in the street. And I mean, the our driver is, is pressing his horn and me and my family is just watching now because we see the guy in the street. And when I tell you our driver came within two inches from this guy and he turns around and looks at us like, you in my way. It was the craziest thing. Literally, he was not faced by any of that horn. The horn there is, you hear it so much, you don't even know an emergency is about to happen because they just hear horns. And I'm like, this dude could have really got hit if, it, if our driver didn't stop. And the guy, his attitude reminds me of me when I was talking about the story with the guy with the gun. I was like, what are you going to do? I had considered taking my family to live there too, but I just couldn't because to me, I don't ever want to be able to drive like that. I don't even want those, that skill set. It's, it's scary. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like some places in the world, it seems like they use their horns as their communication and whereas others, they use their indicators and they like flash you like move over. But I wanted to ask you because we had a guest on our last season that had been to Cairo also. And she mentioned that if they miss an exit, they'll just stop on the side of the road and start reversing down the highway to catch their exit. Have you ever seen that? Here, here in Abu Dhabi. Oh my gosh. That is so regular because if you miss your exit, you may not be going to your destination. You're going to another city. The exits are so far from each other. And I've seen multiple cars do, like you see that regularly. It's not even surprising anymore. You just kind of expect people to miss their exit and then back up on the expressway. Oh, we went to Oman and we drove to Oman from here. And they don't have any exits. I'm using my navigation to get to our hotel. And we kept passing it because we didn't know how to get there until we saw somebody get off. And now imagine an expressway and to the right of you is, let's say, just a bunch of dirt. Like just the regular environment, there's no exit. So you just drive off the side of the road to get to wherever you're going. Like there's no exits at all. There's no exits that we we see. We know what they look like. But that was a weird, a weird thing too, because we just keep driving by this this hotel. And I'm like, how do we get over there? And we drive all the way down. And then to turn around, they did have this area we went to. To get to the other side, you had to drive. You got off and then you had to drive up under some bridge, but it doesn't even look like it's legal. But this is just what they do. It's real weird. It's like a tunnel you go through to get back to the other side. And I'm like, the things that in America that we have the luxuries of, the, of what it looks like to us, we take a lot of things for granted because other countries have their own systems. And just imagine if you are in a place and you see your hotel and you just keep driving by and you don't know how to get to it and you don't realize that you're just supposed to drive over there, like literally drive off the road to get there. Well, it's a good thing that there's GPS now because I can't imagine traveling before there was like a physical GPS, like an actual handheld map that's confusing and on top of you being in another country and trying to figure all that out. Yeah, definitely. So now that we've heard your crazy driving stories, which we see that you have a lot of, let's dive into you as a driver. I know you've touched on this and we've gotten to know you a little bit as a driver, but how would you describe yourself as a driver and would your friends and family agree with that? It's crazy as it sounds, everybody believes that I'm a responsible driver. Even when I was like 16, when I first started, I remember a friend of mine thought I was like, it's a group of us. He was like, nobody can drive my car, but John. And in my head, I'm like, why did he pick me? All of us got licenses. So throughout my life, I would like to believe that everybody thought I was responsible. Even though I, I had these, these occurrences, I believe that if I'm driving, everybody falls asleep because they know that we're going to get there safely. 
I guess it's a really big compliment that people can fall asleep while you're driving because then they feel comfortable. I tell you this, in undergrad at Michigan, like we used to go to different schools. It'd be like an hour and a half away. We used to go to their parties. And of course, everybody wants me to drive, right? But I'm tired. We just party. Now you want me to drive an hour. So I said, hey, y'all gonna have to stay up. And everybody goes to sleep. So I just turn the music all the way up and I roll all the windows down and I push a lock on it. So it's freezing in the car, but that was just me being a butt. And I could have done it without doing that. But who wants to drive at nighttime by yourself? You got people in the car and you, you tired. I guess it's, it's a compliment, but I didn't look at it that way then. Yeah, especially at night if you're like just driving. It's going to make you tired if you see other people also sleeping. You did mention you don't get as much road rage or don't get mad now but like what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve what's the thing that really bothers you the most my wife is gonna see this or hear this <laughs> and my pet peeve is that everything makes her mad when she's in the car when she drives she's mad at everybody uh, and to me i feel like road rage makes driving unsafe for others it's not intentional of course but a lot more accidents happen when you are upset behind the wheel. You're not completely focused because I feel like they're making the road unsafe for others. And not only for others, your own self. And I just, I wish people got behind the wheel with a more calm mind. I do have a pet peeve. I don't like when people, they'll, they'll get over without a blinker. Like, give me some warning. I just feel like, did you do that on purpose? Do you want me to crash? So if you get over, like, that's why I said, I don't like the tailgate at all. But if somebody drives by me and, and they get over without a blinker. Yeah. A lot of people take driving for granted until something does happen. I feel like that's not safe in and of itself because you are driving this extremely dangerous, I guess, weapon for lack of better terms because it can kill someone it can kill you it could kill others so it's very important to be a hundred percent focused when you're behind the wheel definitely so now that we know a little bit about you as a driver let's go back to your driving first and how it all started so how would you describe your first time driving experience and who was it with i started driving maybe about 14. i used to live in this apartment complex where we had a circle and I never thought about driving. I just, I couldn't wait till I turned 16 to drive. So I just thought that's when it was supposed to happen. But my father, he let me drive. He, well, he taught me how to drive and I was using both feet. He's not the best teacher in the world. He was already a mean man. My father was a mean man. So I was happy about me learning to drive, but the way that he's teaching me, it would make anybody nervous. And I don't, I don't know how many times I drove before I knew how to do it, but I was definitely driving well before I turned 15. I remember he let me drive on the street and I was just talking to my wife about this too. He let me drive on the street. It was at least five miles. It was only one, it was only straight though. It wasn't like I had to make any turns or anything. It was just stop at a light. He wouldn't let me use the music. He said, you don't touch the radio keep both hands on the wheel. I didn't go fast or anything. I was just going to speed limit, trying to look up, tell my keep your eyes on the road. And I'm like looking at the speed limit to make sure I'm going the correct speed. He's like, man, you can speed up a little faster than that. And I'm like, I don't know. Cause I don't know what he wants from me. At, after that experience, I thought I was supposed to drive all the time. And so he used to let me wash his car and I could drive around the circle. So that's how I got good. And I remember that day when he let me drive. Now, this is crazy. I know this is a family show, but my father told me to go to the liquor store. And literally it's walking distance. And I was like, can I drive? He was like, heck no, you can't drive. As if he's sending me to the liquor store. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was 14 going to get some beer for my father. He won't let me drive after he just let me drive this like long strip. So in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, I'm, I'm moving on up. Like I'm, I'm responsible now, but he was not letting me drive without him being in the car. 
So you practice to learn driving with your dad. So how would you describe the actual driving test experience? What was that like? What did you have to do? And did you pass? Okay, so rewinding in Kentucky, you you can get your permit. You can't get your permit until you turn 16. And then you can you can get your driver's license 30 days after you you, you pass your test. So I failed my permit test, but I did not study at all. And my father was so mad. He was like, did you study? I was like, no, I thought I knew it already. And he was like, I'm not going to be bringing you out here to be failing. And like I said, my father was a mean man. I was like, I guess I have to study. So when I passed the test, and you can't take the test until like a week later when you fail it. It's like seven days. So I ended up passing it again. I had to wait 30 days. My driving, I was really worried because the car that we had, your car has to be, it has, everything has to work. And you know, we weren't the richest family. I know that maybe one of the brake lights was out and one of the blinkers didn't work. And I'm like, I'm not gonna get my license. And I'm so bothered now, but my father borrowed his girlfriend's car so I could drive. The actual experience, I was nervous. The most difficult part was the parallel parking. But I did the parallel parking, but when it was over, he said, that's where most of my points came off because he said, I did, I used the, I turned, like, I kept moving too much. I should have been able to pull up and just fall right in on one try. He said I was doing too many tries, but he was like, for the most part, I did a good job. I just need to work on the parallel parking. But to this day, I still hate parallel parking. I can parallel park, but I still don't like it. Yeah, I feel like parallel parking is one of those, one of the least favorite parking of most people. And I know here in the U.S. now, I feel like a lot of driver's tests don't require you to do parallel parking on the test. When we took it, it was there. But then when our brother went to go take it, they removed it. So I feel like the driving test is so easy now and anyone can pass it. Dang, they took parallel parking out? That's interesting. I'm like... Well, I guess, you know what, um, I I don't parallel park unless I absolutely have to. Like, I will look for something so I don't have to. But here, I got this little bitty car. I mean, it, like, the car is really little. It's the smallest vehicle ever. And to parallel park, it's embarrassing for me to not do it on the first try because my car is so little. <laughs> I promise, I'm like, oh my gosh. So what was the process like since you learned to drive and got your license in the U.S. when you moved to Abu Dhabi? What was it like? Did you have to take a test there? Were you no. able to transfer your license or what was it like? Being American has its privileges. I'm telling you, it's Western privilege over here. Meeting all these other people from different countries, they it wasn't like us. Like we like all Americans, if you got a blue passport, they will just they, the, you you just go get it translated and you do an eye test and then they just give you the license. And it's as simple as that. And I've seen other people pay like thousands of dollars for a license. And, and I just can't understand the class system of countries, but I am definitely happy about being American in that, that aspect. So now that we've touched a little bit on your past driving and your current driving, let's talk a little bit about the future of driving. So there is that possibility, there's talks about it, of self-driving cars becoming a part of our society. Maybe not immediately, but sometime in the future. What are your thoughts on self-driving cars and would you get in one? Yes. I hate driving. i tell you this. If I am able to afford a vehicle that can drive on its own, that will be my investment because then I will definitely get miles on that car because I'm going everywhere. I'm, I'm all for it. People say that machines can mess up. People mess up every day. I would rather believe in, of course, machines can mess up, but I'll take my chances with a machine that is supposed to do this specific thing only versus people have all things going on in their head. So I think it would be a lot safer, but I do believe that you're going to get a lot of flack on the machine idea thing but yes i would love that i would do road trips all the time then literally i would go to california <laughs> I, I promise i would do like i want to do that now 
but that means I'm just going to stop every two and a half, three hours. So I wouldn't get to California for like two weeks because I just don't want to do all that driving. But I will with a, a, a robot driving my vehicle, a self-driving car. What about you? What about you guys? I feel like we are not quite that comfortable in getting in. Like if someone were to be like, okay, they're self-driving cars tomorrow. I don't think I would get in one tomorrow. I would have to see it's been tested. It's proven to be working the way it's supposed to work before I let it drive me because my life is now in the hands of this machine. I got At the same time, I love driving. At this stage, I don't mind driving long distances. So like we drove down to Georgia, that was 13 hours. I drove the whole way. I don't know if that'll change, but right now I love it. Yeah, I guess because I just hate driving. So the only reason why I care about driving more is because I don't want my wife to drive. But other than that, I hate it. Bonus question. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? Mm. It can be the most realistic or unrealistic thing. A driving law. Um, I don't know. Gosh. What is something that really irks you about driving? Driving? <laughs> no one's allowed to drive. <laughs> You know, I wanted to drive at 14 because I really got good at driving. I feel like you should be able to drive at a younger age if you can prove that you can drive. And I know they make exceptions for people if they got like a handicapped parent or the parent is old. But I feel like if I could have driven early legally, like I would have been able to do more things. I would have been exposed to a lot more things. And I know people would be like, you know, you're too young to be driving like that regularly. But I think at that time, the way that I grew up, if I was able to drive earlier, I would have been able to do a lot more things to help enhance where I am in life. Now, I don't think it should be the same test. I think it should be a way more difficult test to prove that you are able and capable of being responsible. That's actually, I mean, I think that is a very good idea because some people, like if you have that practice and you're really good at it, like you said, it really expands what you're able to do and also takes that stress off. I guess it's like sophomore year. You're like, everyone's, everyone's getting their permit. Everyone's getting their license. And then you've already got that practice and you don't have to worry about it as much. Definitely. So what's some advice that you might have for either new drivers or other drivers out there? To be honest, just follow the speed limit. Believe that you're important enough that people will be ever be at the destination when you arrive. Because I think the people that have so much going on are driving really fast. And I just feel like overall, it's so much going on in people's lives that they're not being safe. I don't know how to tell you to be safe other than making sure you follow the speed limit and stay on the right side, let the crazy people drive on the left side. But yeah, the speed limit is real. You don't get any tickets, you don't get pulled over. Like it's, it's so, like if you just follow the rules, the likelihood of bad things happening is reduced. But once you start breaking the rules, it endangers everybody on the road. See, I have a friend who he loved to drive fast. And he said, it's a difference between people who drive fast and people who speed. He says, I drive fast because that's just what I do. But people be speeding because they're in a rush. And that's when accidents happen. And I was like, I never thought about it like that. <laughs> I was like, but you can still get a ticket. He was like, but I'm just telling you the difference between people who speed and people who drive fast. It's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. People will make anything work for them. Yeah, agree. But yeah, as you're mentioning, those laws are put in place for a reason. Like there was a reason that law was created to make driving safer. And if you are like, oh, well, the other drivers are going to get angry at me. Let them, let them go around, let them figure out what they want to do. You do what you are comfortable doing. Definitely. I'm a hundred percent advocate for that. Like if more people accepted the responsibility of actually following the rules, everything would be a lot safer. Not saying it would just disappear, but it would be less likely for accidents to occur if people just followed the rules. Well, we really enjoy listening to all your stories. And before we let you go, I know you have a podcast of your own. So where can listeners find it? Diverse Clarity Podcast. We're on all major platforms. We have a video podcast that you can see on YouTube. You can find us on Instagram, Diverse Clarity. We have thought-provoking conversations about things that matter and some that don't. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your crazy driving stories and also sharing your experiences and showing that you can change your mindset on driving and become a safer driver. Definitely. I appreciate you guys. And I love the niche that you have with this because listening to some of them, you're like, wow, people really have their own stories and it's it's remarkable. So I, I really want to, I'm going to say congratulations because it's it's a really nice concept and to listen the way you guys work with each other, it's, it's it really sounds good. And I, I want to uh, wish you well in all of your endeavors. Oh, thank you so thank much you. for the kind words. More than welcome. I felt like we could have chatted with John for like ever and ever. Like he was such, I don't know. I just love listening to his stories and I feel Easy like- Easy to just, talk to. Yeah. And I just, I feel like he had so many stories that I just wanted to listen to them all. But we only had so much time. I love how he open and honest he was with us. Like I said in the beginning of this episode that he- was embarrassed to share some of his younger driving stories but decided to end up sharing them anyways because he learned from his mistakes and he felt like it was a great way for others to relate and also be able to grow as a driver. I know when you're first starting to drive it's such a young age and you're not fully mature yet. I don't want to say this in a negative way but physically like biologically your brain hasn't fully developed yet. You're still growing so I can see how some of the things at that age, you're like, oh, this is great. This is not going to be a problem. But looking back on it, you're like, wow. I'm not afraid of someone who has road rage. Like, what are they going to do? Pull out something (laughs) on you? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) But overall, I just loved all his messages. I feel like I can't pick one to be like, this is the message from this episode. I feel like every message he had was just great. Agreed. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to John's driving stories. Let us know in the comments or on Instagram at Drive With Us Podcast if you could relate to any of his stories. And be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear a sneak peek of next week's driver, Amy Scott from Mexico. Amy shared with us about the time her cross-country road trip was cut short when a woman rear-ended her and totaled her car. A 48-hour last-minute road trip from San Francisco to Cape Cod to attend a wedding and getting road rage while her teacher was in the car. Thank you for tuning in this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends or leaving us a review. It truly does help us get discovered. Thank you for choosing to drive with us, and we'll see you next week. So I was driving from San Francisco to New Jersey and had just left Chicago and was mapping out my route on the on the back roads. This was 2005, so before cell phones and stuff. I had an atlas actually spread across the drivers, not while I was driving, while I was at a red light. I remember <laughs> I had the atlas like spread across, like, okay, I'm going to go up here and get on this, you know, blue highway. And I got rear-ended sitting at the red light. Oh my and I had, I was moving and I had a little hatchback. I had the back of the car was full of stuff and rear window shattered. I was just like, what am I supposed to do now?